0: Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome to the Colorism Healing Podcast, where our goal is to learn, transform, and resist. I am your host, Dr. Sarah Webb. This podcast is the audio experience of my weekly live streams on Instagram, which I do every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. If you like what you hear today, be sure to subscribe and share. You can also get lots more content at colorismhealing.com. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode. But everybody, all of us, even the victims of colorism, even the people who are the targets of colorism, also have to heal from that trauma so that we then don't encourage it or participate in it. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another weekly Instagram Live with yours truly, Dr. Sarah Webb, the founder of Colorism Healing. So I'm back with my weekly live streams at a new day and time. So for those of you who used to tune in last year, I've changed the date to Monday evenings at this time exactly. So 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time. But if you can't tune in live, I am still saving the playback to Instagram, the Colorism Healing YouTube channel, subscribe if you haven't, as well as the Colorism Healing podcast, which is on Spotify, Apple, I, Apple Podcasts, and all that good stuff. Um, and this week, we are talking about colorism as explicit bias. I'll talk more about why I chose that topic, but before we do that, Y'all know the ritual. If you are a regular, say hello in the comments and tell me where you're tuning in from and what the weather is like where you are. I will have to say it feels a little strange doing these lives when it's dark outside (laughs) because last year I did them at like two o'clock in the afternoon, Um, but I am still in New York City. The weather is cold, but I, I got used to it living in Illinois, so I'm like taking it in stride. So let's see who's on here. Um, we have, hey, Crisco Wright. Um Thank you for joining. So good to see you. It's been a while since um we've interacted. I know I, I, we used to talk a while back on Instagram, but you know what the algorithms change and so you don't see the same people that you used to see. So I'm so happy that you're able to join. Hey, the color in me. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> uh, let's see if anyone else is saying Hello. So I also always start with um, what we call it? announcements. So I'll get into that in just a second. Um, a Candimba says greetings from Portugal. Welcome from Portugal. Okay, okay. I was wondering if my international folks would be able to tune in because of the time change. So it's good to see some folks still able to watch. <laughs> hey JV1710. Hey Town Girl86. Hello from Oakland, California. What's up, Town Girl? I used to live in Oakland. I used to live like right by the uh, MacArthur BART Station in Oakland when I was in grad school. And I have a lot of family that live in the Bay Area too. So shouts to all of y'all. Hey, K.A. Nits. Nits. Hello, Northern Illinois. And it's cold. Okay. Hello. Welcome. Tuning in from Oxford, Mississippi. Very cool. Okay. You know, my sister used to teach um, for Ole Miss, but she was at the Tupelo campus. Um, Castella... Anos Guzman, <laughs> this is like a common thing. It's like trying to figure out the um screen names, especially since they don't have spaces in between the words. So feel free to correct me, anyone, if I ever pronounce your screen name wrong. But um, Castella Nos Guzman says hi. I'm tuning in from Bogota, Colombia. The weather is a bit rainy and cold today. Look at this. Okay, shout out. I'm taking notes too because. <clears throat> As you all know like I'm embarking on this like world travel like long term travel thing, so I'm like making notes of like potential cities to go and visit um hey, yes, yeah, I did your hair looks amazing, thank you so okay, I have to say a little bit about my hair because i have something called seborrheic dermatitis which means i usually have to wash it often because i get a lot of buildup on my scalp but for some reason my scalp is like acting right and so i was able to keep my twist out in for like two weeks i had my twist out in or maybe it was a whole week and then i untwisted it and so it was kind of like crinkly like it was in last week's video and so like it's been like two or three weeks and so today i just like started pulling it apart pulling the twist apart and I, I like the results. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, it's Spanish. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell um, that it was. That's why I changed the pronunciation slightly the second time. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's get into our topic. I will say, too, um, that every week we talk all things colorism and all things healing. And I usually preview the topics beforehand on Sundays. And... um but if you want to continue the conversation, if you want even more content, I do have a website, colorismhealing.com. So although I love Instagram, it's not the only place where I live and interact. I have a TikTok. I actually have like a n- nice little group of folks on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, as I mentioned, where else? I'm, I'm on um, Pinterest and a few other places. So just, if you Google Colorism Healing, you can find me. But you know, we've all heard about implicit bias. Most people, especially the, the folks who follow me, I was talking to uh, my friend, Keisha, and she was saying, your followers are really sophisticated. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I agree. Y'all are like super intelligent and just like very aware and conscious folks. And that's why I learned so much from you all as well. Um, so when I say we've all heard of implicit bias, I'm making that assumption based on what I know about my usual audience and that you've probably heard that term and can explain it, right? And so a lot of times when we talk about any issue, colorism, racism, it's kind of easy to think about implicit bias. And I hear people saying things like, oh, they didn't mean anything by it, or, oh, they're just ignorant, or they don't know any better. And that's true. So I'll acknowledge that that is true when it comes to something like colorism. There are people who maybe aren't aware of what they're doing. But today we're going to go back to basics and talk about the people who are very aware of what they're doing, right? So we're going to learn how to identify it, but also kind of understand it. So again, um, if you were on the live last week or watched it, I am starting with the very core personal aspects of colorism and as 2022 2022 progresses, I'm going to broaden that out to like relationships in the larger society. But for the next few months, I'm going to be looking at like that individual piece a little more closely. And so even in thinking about why people um, default to justifying an instance of colorism by saying, oh, they don't know any better or they're just ignorant. And I've heard people say this a lot about racism too. I feel like it's a way to pacify the discomfort with oppression, right? Like it's very uncomfortable and painful and hurtful to acknowledge all the ways that people have perpetuated harm against other people in the world. And so sometimes I feel like it's a way to sort of pacify that discomfort and just assume this universal innocence. And um, I think that is, that can hinder us sometimes from actually addressing the problem if we don't acknowledge that there are people who are intentionally committing harm, right? um and you know so next week i'm actually planning to talk about the implicit aspects of colorism but if we all if we always assume that it's implicit or unconscious then we miss part of the equation right and so in order to address a problem we have to really be willing to understand it and so i think one if you're just learning about colorism it's actually easier to identify the explicit instances of it um and there are many times when colorism will be very subtle when it will not be obvious um but in terms of you know raising awareness about it for you know for you if you're ever talking to someone like those explicit instances can really be the gateway into someone understanding colorism as an entire problem um and so yeah there are the subtle you know backhanded compliments the so-called microaggressions where it might take a little more digging to prove that it's colorism. And other times colorism is like glaring you in the face. Like it just smacks you upside the face and you're like, there's no denying it, right? Um, If you're just coming in, feel free to say hello. We are talking about colorism as an explicit prejudice. And I miss my tripod. So excuse me if the camera shakes whenever I um, tap on the screen. Um, And so, some explicit examples of colorism <laughs> now i'm just kidding what's up girl um include moments when people directly mention color i also as i was writing the blog post in preparation for this week i kept thinking like the thing that kept coming to my mind are those smash or pass videos okay i don't know if you're already familiar with that term, but there's a phenomenon on the Internet, on the YouTubes and the TikToks and I guess Instagrams and all that, too, where um, usually black boys are like canvassing a crowd or a line of girls and they're picking and choosing the ones that they would quote unquote date and the ones that they would pass on very there's a lot, whole lot of intersections of like misogyny and like patriarchy, anti-blackness, colorism, body shaming, like a whole lot going on in those videos, right? But I think about like those as being some of those obvious, very explicit, like in your face instances of colorism, where the the young men who are engaging in that behavior are very aware that they are being discriminatory. And they are also have a consciousness that it's an entertainment factor, right? And so one of the reasons why people are willingly engaged in explicit instances of colorism is because in a colorist society, they gain clout, right? They gain some sort of like status or um, ego boost by tearing someone else down, right? Um, And then I think about a specific memory when I was in dance class, there was this, I thought she was kind of a dark brown, right? I thought she, from my perspective, she was about my color, but maybe I have a false memory. (laughs) But I remember she looked at me and she said, ew, you're so black. And I was like, but you black too, (laughs) right? Because it wasn't about my race. It was about, you know, being quote unquote too black. So that's an explicit instance of colorism where it's like, I mean, you can't say it's anything but that. Because here's another black girl who's practically the same shade as me saying that I'm too black. And not only am I too black, but it was obviously grossing her out for some reason. Whatever. Um, and the best thing, best comeback I had at the time is I was in fourth grade, y'all. I was like, well, you're you're brown. <laughs> it's like, okay, good, good, good comeback. Um, and I thought about, I was about to, you know, elaborate on other explicit instances of colorism like that. But then I'm also... Um, you know, working on this theory that I don't need to always repeat the examples, right? Because I mentioned one time about, like, resharing those smash or pass type of videos that go viral. And I, because, you know, someone had tagged me in it before. And I was like, I can see this, like, re-triggering a dark-skinned girl, right? Like, if somebody, like, says, oh, look at this video where a Black boy is making fun of someone who looks like you, right? Like, that could be re-triggering. And so I kind of, you know, want to give those general examples without repeating some of the very harmful like messaging right um but then as i continued to think about it i thought about life before social media (laughs) because surprise like colorism existed before tiktok and youtube And so what did explicit colorism look like back then? And that, that also makes me think about adults who perpetuate colorism because in both of those examples, it was young people, like youth perpetuating colorism. But there are like grown people, like whole grown adults who also explicitly perpetuate colorism against children. Like this is a very like ugly side of, you know, our culture of humanity, where you have adults that intentionally hurt children, but like, yes, physically, but also emotionally and psychologically, and through, from, through many ways, but colorism is one of those ways, right? And so I think about, you know, just in family dynamics, right? When you have the parent who is encouraging their child to stay out of the sun. Or encouraging their child or telling their child "Oh, you have to marry a white man because you don't want your kids to come out dark like you right or when um they're telling their children not to play with those black kids um and actually tiara um turnbull wrote a poem about that in a for this last year's contest right about the mother saying don't play with those street kids don't play with those quote-unquote lower-class black kids who are darker skinned um but then like it's not just in the interpersonal dynamics right when we look at the very just like intentional perpetuation of colorism in black organizations and black institutions we think about the paper bag test like that was intentional explicit colorism right and so again I don't. I don't think it's um, bad or dangerous to acknowledge that people are intentionally perpetuating this, right? And so I'm speaking to like those people who want to just believe the best in everybody and say, oh, well, you know, they're just from a different time. They're from a different generation. And actually my sister and I were watching this movie when she came up here with me to New York. What's, what was it called? I don't know if she's watching. Maybe she can remind me of the name of it. I think it was Don't Look Up. There was a movie called Don't Look Up, right? And so people, it was a parody, right? It was like a satire. And so people were saying, oh, he's just from a different generation. There was this like old guy who was like saying really, really bigoted things. And everybody was like, oh, he's just from a different generation, right? And so like, that's fine. But, you know, just because you're from an older generation doesn't mean you can't learn. Doesn't mean you can't evolve your thinking. Doesn't mean you can't learn to, to respect people, right? And so I don't think, I actually think it might be ageist to suggest that just because you're old, that you have to be stuck in your ways or that you can't understand nuances of, you know, social change and social um, problems and dynamics. Let me read some of these comments coming in before I continue on this conversation about explicit colorism. And how it shows up, and a little bit about why like the how how people benefit from these explicit instances of colorism so town girl eighty six says, "Will you be saving this live absolutely I'll save it on Instagram, the podcast, and the youtube channel um the color in me the exclamation points um Essie Mensa says, yes, it happens a lot in my communities. They give preference to children that are lighter because they will have the opportunity that they did not have, that they don't have. Yeah, so I think what Essie Mensa is talking about reminds us that even a dark-skinned parent can encourage colorism, can explicitly say, you know, um, well, I'm going to, one, Marry someone who was lighter, I marry someone who's non black because I want my children, I don't want my children to suffer like I did. I've heard people say these things. Um, and I, I have empathy for that, right? I do have empathy for where that comes from at the same time that I want people to heal and address those wounds so that they don't perpetuate it to their children. But then when they have children of different skin tones, oftentimes they'll promote the lighter skin child first and say, oh, well, you know, you're going to um, represent the family, right? We're going to put you out as the representative of the family and sort of disregard the the value of their darker-skinned children. Um, also, many of them that are disrespectful are often darker-skinned people. Their trauma keeps the cycle going. Yeah, see? So without even reading your second comment, we're on the same page, right? And that's, again, when I... Decided to name my website Colorism Healing back in 2013. I, I knew I was like, there, ha- there has to be like that healing piece, right? Like, yeah, um addressing external colorism, but everybody, all of us, even the victims of colorism, even the people who are the targets of colorism, also have to heal from that trauma so that we then don't encourage it or participate in it. And oftentimes we do participate in it in a very explicit way. Um, so let's see. SC Mensa is saying, um, stopping the cycle is very important. I work in this topic a lot, hoping we can connect. Yeah, definitely. I um, will say the best way to connect is through email because DMs are so, <laughs> uh, like some of everything can be in a DM. It could be like, oh, someone tagged me. Someone wants to like invite me on their podcast. Someone's like sending me a picture, right? So it's hard to keep business and just casual social media chat separate in the DMs. Um, So email is the most effective way to contact me. You'll actually hear back from me via email probably before I respond to DMs. Just, hi folks. (laughs) Um, And so I'm thinking again about the things like the paper bag test. I want to finish that thought Um, Things like the comb test, the blue vein test, the blue vein societies, and sort of that legacy, that history of explicit discrimination and colorism. And people who explicitly said, you know, we're going to lighten the race, especially if we talk about, you know, like in Latin America and mejorando la raza and um, blanque mellento la raza. Um, where these are like just just explicit. Like there's just no way to say, oh, well maybe, did they really mean that? Like, no, they meant it and they are very intentional about it. And so obviously like when light people, like light people, when light-skinned people are perpetuating explicit colorism, we know a lot of it comes from just them wanting to protect their privileged status in the society, them wanting to protect their privileged position in society. And when we have dark-skinned men perpetuating colorism, as I mentioned in the, the example with those quote-unquote smash or past videos, a lot of times dark-skinned Black men are are subtly, maybe implicitly aware of their elevated status in the patriarchy, right? Because of misogyny, because of patriarchy because of the way society is structured, they, it's almost as if they intuitively understand, or maybe explicitly understand, that even though they are also darker skinned and um, ideas about anti-Blackness and colorism harm them in some way, they can gain leverage by dissing or, you know, stepping on Dark skinned women and you know, dissing and degrading dark skinned black women and sometimes all black women, right? The ones who really want to go to the extreme, they don't even want to deal with the light-skinned black women. And so I think a lot of black men know that being a man, being of the male sex gives them that option, right? To to level up a little bit in the social in society and gain a little clout by distancing themselves throwing throwing black women on the bus especially dark-skinned black women and so um i think the problem with that though and what i would hope and encourage black men to understand is that in doing that like you might get a few extra scraps from the table of white supremacy but ultimately you are also making yourself the footstool of white supremacy right like you're still making yourself allowing yourself to be a pawn in this game in this um like, devious project that is seeking to destroy you as well, right? Um, I think about Hotel Rwanda, the movie where Don Cheeto says, they told me I was one of them and I believed them, right? And that reminds me of what a lot of Black men do when they subscribe to white supremacy and anti-Blackness in terms of the way they treat Black women. Side note, this is also why I'm, like, not impressed with uh, when a lot of Black men talk about, like, race issues, because I always wonder, I'm like, but do you mean all Black people? Or do you just mean Black men? Or do you just mean, like, straight Black men? Or do you just mean, like, cishet Black men, right? And so I have to, like, I feel like I, I delay my applause for Black men who talk about race until I see the receipts that they are actively advocating for Black women, too, right? And Black women of the LGBT community and Black disabled people and black poor people. Um, because so often a lot of the, the black men who are put forth as leaders in terms of racial ideas and, you know, racial progress would just as soon leave behind 90% of the black population in that so-called progress. Right. Um, so that was a side note. And then the last thing I'll say is, um, when kind of what we talked about with, uh, Yes, no. What was their name? The person, Essie Mensah. Yeah, talked about when dark-skinned Black women perpetuate colorism explicitly because that can happen, right? And I'm of the belief that dark-skinned people can perpetuate colorism, but that doesn't mean it's, oh, they're quote-unquote jealous of light-skinned girls or they're being mean to light-skinned girls. When I say dark-skinned people can perpetuate colorism, I mean dark-skinned people can hate dark skin. That's what I mean by that, and dark-skinned people can't encourage and support the privileged status of light-skinned people. So a lot of times, tragically, I feel like this is such a tragic thing when I see it. But I'll see, you know, dark-skinned girls, um, and I've had that happen to me personally, like when I was in school, where dark-skinned girls will like fight on behalf of light of their light-skinned friend, right? Or like the popular light-skinned girl. will be in conflict with a dark-skinned girl. And then other dark-skinned girls rally around the light-skinned girl and say like, no, you can't, you know, this, this, and that. And I remember, you know, just comments where like dark-skinned girls would say to a light-skinned girl, oh, well, you should get the part right? Or like, you should date the popular guy because y'all are both, like, amazing. Or, you know, oh yeah, you would look so good as you know, the prom queen, right? I'm gonna vote for you for prom queen. And like, it doesn't even occur to them that they could be prom queen as as a dark-skinned girl, right? And so I think a lot of times that comes for a few different reasons. I'm speculating, I'm theorizing here because there's not like solid quote-unquote research on this, but from my long study and observations, I feel like dark-skinned black girls sometimes participate in colorism as a way to deflect negative attention. And I don't know, like I suddenly feel very emotional talking about this because I have so much compassion. But I really believe that it's, you know, and this happens in other things, not just colorism, but when it comes to colorism, it's almost as if some dark-skinned girls say, well, if I play this role, maybe I can avoid some of the criticism. If I befriend the light-skinned girl, maybe that will stop her from teasing me. Or if I, you know, play along or laugh at the jokes about another dark-skinned girl, then maybe they won't notice me, right? Like maybe I can escape some of that pain. And so I have real empathy for that, right? and then I think too there is sort of like vicarious status and sometimes it's you know I'm going to if I can if I can't be the popular girl then I'll be friends with the popular girl right and so like I'll have some clout because of that and it's it's really I, I just I feel like that's very tragic and um yeah so I saw some more comments coming in let me read Castilla, no Guzman says yes, like how they actually did in countries like Argentina in the south of the continent. And I'm Colombian. We do have some regions that also promoted the Blanque Miento. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that it's so widespread. Like not just one country did it, but like multiple countries did it, right? That's very telling of how far reaching these things are. But I also think that's why we're stronger when we have the cross international conversations because we'll realize like, oh, like your country did that too or like your community did that too. Like, okay, so now we have strength in numbers to change the narrative and to create change. Yeah, black trans people. um, Y'all know the whole Dave Chappelle thing. I was like, you know, we a lot of black folks were in disagreement about that. I was like, well, I was never really, I didn't really ever find a man funny to begin with, but you know, it's like, okay, is he pro-black or is he like pro-black cis had men? I don't know. I don't know the man. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, Aust816 says, I think it goes both ways with that from a gender standpoint. Black women participate in colorism also when it comes to dating and self-hate. Yeah, that's a great point, Aust816. That is part of the explicit colorism. I've heard like black women say, "Ooh, I don't want to date that black boy. Right. And I've heard black women and sometimes going back to the earlier point that um, SC Mensa mentioned, like when we talked about like black women um, actively engaging in colorism when it comes to their dating preferences because they want, quote unquote, pretty babies. I remember in high school, like like the first time I explicitly heard that was in high school and this dark skin, like beautiful chocolate sister was like, yeah. I don't think I want to marry a white man, but I want to have kids by a white man so that we could have pretty babies. And I was just like, girl, girl, stop, don't do that. <laughs> so yes, um, and I, I even heard like another dark-skinned girl in high school say the same thing. She was always like, well, you know, because I'm dark gonna have to date a light-skinned man because then our babies will come out nice. So it's definitely practiced by women as well. Yeah, champagne too. Essie Mensa says, sometimes dark-skinned people downgrade ourselves because of how we see ourselves. We don't want to own that we are picking up baggage that doesn't always belong to us. Come on, preach, y'all. Preach. This is why I read the comments, because y'all be preaching. Um, we need to be conscious with how we keep ourselves trapped in a mindset that isn't serving us. man, Yes. It is the, the self worthiness and the the sense of value how you value yourself it is the self-esteem thing right it is very much a manifestation of low self-esteem that is the result of trauma that is the result of trauma and so i'm not like oh Darks and girls is just, just, just love yourself. Just don't care what people think. Like that's definitely not where I'm coming from with this. Like that takes work, right? It's not a just wake up and feel better type of thing. Um, but I definitely think ha- having that awareness is important. Um, and I sometimes like I'll interact with like young black girls in high school, um, like, you know, freshmen in college, and um it really like gets me in the heart. When I'm speaking to a a young black girl where it's obvious that they just have not been in environments with black people who love being black. And um, it's very hard because like I mentioned, you know, a lot of people who follow me say, oh, well, my parents always taught me I was beautiful. Or my parents always told me I was beautiful. And Or, you know, like, they've had the opportunity to, like, read bell hooks in high school, right? But then there are other black girls that I talk to and that I've seen and that I've even grown up around and who just don't have that exposure. And um, it is, I think, hmm, it's part of why I am so passionate about like doing as much as i can because i want people to be able to find me right like i'm thinking about one specific student in general not in general i'm thinking about one specific student that i talked to a few months ago um and it was just so clear to me that you know, she wanted to write a paper on colorism and her professor was kind of trying to get her to talk about race. And I was like, I'm glad you contacted me. I'm glad you emailed me, you know, tell your professor to talk to, call me. And like, I'm like, colorism is a perfectly legitimate topic to write about. Um, But I think her professor might've been white or something. And he kept saying, you know, maybe you should talk about race. Maybe there's not enough out there on colorism. But in talking to her, like when I actually met her, you know, I played this song for her um, called Dark Skin by uh, Ray Black. And uh, in the song, Ray Black is saying, you know, my mama told me from me born that I'm a star, not because I'm dark skin or something like that. And so after the song, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is a very like uplifting and powerful song. And after the song, she was like, you know, that's interesting because my mama doesn't talk to me like that. Or my mom be telling me, you know, that I'm too dark. Or my mom and my sisters laugh at me right and the the level of wow like the the level of racial trauma like collectively that we have we've had to experience and um, there are places in the world there are families there are whole communities that are that' still are mired in that trauma right and so I don't want people to, like, look at someone like me who has done the research, who has been able to get education, who has had, you know, grown up in a family that loved Blackness and that's promoted Blackness and think, like, oh, Black people are doing fine as a whole. Like, there's been so much progress, right? And it's easy to, like, say, oh, yes, progress, progress, progress. We've made so much progress. And forget about the millions of Black people who have not heard of bell hooks, who have not read a Malcolm X speech, who have not, um, you know, found, you know, seen a movie with Lupita Nyong'o in it, right? Like, yeah, she's one of the most famous dark-skinned actresses out there, and yet there are young Black girls who have never seen any of her movies or bought a magazine with her on the cover. And so I just think there's, like, a lot of Black people that are being forgotten sometimes. Um, even ones who, you know, aren't subscribing to these, this Instagram account, ones that aren't aware of the YouTube channels, so many, you know, that I, I've known for years, but okay, let me reel it back in. (laughs) Oh, this always happens on these lives. I always go on tangents, but relevant tangents. (laughs) Essie um, Vincent says dark skinned people in general, not specific only to women. Mm hmm. Um, Crisco Wright says black women rallying around Danny Lee and the back and forth with the baby's other darker skinned baby mama. That's a good example of it happening in mass. Um, the color in me says that's what the families instill, like you were saying before. Um, one eight eight one six says having a color preference period is disgusting for me. Whether the person is light or dark is extremely shallow. We as Black people come in several shades. I agree. I've never related to that. Actually, I need to make um a second TikTok. I made like a TikTok sound with the "I don't relate to you" song, because I always looked strangely at people who said they had a preference. Like, I've never related to that. Like, I literally have found the whole gamut of people. I'm like, okay, yeah, that person's attractive. Like, that person's attractive. So I just don't relate to people who can't see attractiveness or beauty in someone just because of their skin tone. Um, But even knowing that our preferences are not quote unquote, just preferences, but they are conditioned. Yes, I know that's the debate. I did a live on that as well, right? Preference versus prejudice. But yeah, our preferences are socially conditioned and um, we can recondition them, right? We can unlearn these so-called preferences that we think are benign. Uh, S.C.Missa says yes to the, it takes work, it sure does. Hey, Lauren uh a. kendima says, within the Portuguese-speaking African countries, Angola, Cape Verde, Mozambique, Guinea, Bissau, Sao Tome, and Principe Islands, it's usually the women that pass on colorist tendencies to their children. Yeah. I think there are some cultural norms where, you know, depending on the cultural practices adopted in a family or a community, women are the ones tasked with raising the children and so it's it might be normal or it might be a byproduct of the family dynamic that because the women are spending more time with the children because women are given the responsibility or to take on the responsibility of rearing children that it is oftentimes their ideologies that get instilled the deepest um so I think it depends on the family dynamic and maybe that's like a community practice or a cultural practice where you see those kinds of patterns, for sure. Um, as Mrs. says, your choice to progress forward may only apply to you and not those around you. Um, Castellanos, Guzman, Castellanos. Okay, now I'm, now I'm reading it as Castellanos, Guzman. <laughs> I'm gonna get it right. It's like the whole system is built on discriminating others. Yeah, yeah, because it's almost like um, people n- could not, didn't have what it takes to like win fair and square. You know what I mean? It's like you know you can't win fair and square, so you deflate the football a little bit, and uh, give yourself a leg up. <laughs> no shade, but shade. <laughs> I got it right that time. Third time's a charm. Castellanos. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you all. Um, Oh, it's 738. So I also, I want this year, I want to keep us to like 30 minutes. I want to get y'all in and out, right? Because I respect your time. I am so honored that y'all are still here after 38 minutes. Um, Even if you left after two minutes or you just got on three minutes ago, the fact that you clicked on that little circle to join this live conversation means so much to me. I will be saving this on Instagram, the Colorism Healing YouTube channel, and the podcast. And um, I'll be back back next week where I get to unpack implicit examples of colorism. So this week, just to recap, we looked at moments and instances where people are just explicitly, blatantly no other way to rationalize it perpetuating colorism right and um there is a blog post attached to this so if you like to read it um and then i embed this the youtube video and the podcast in the blog post as well so that's another way for you to keep track of the weekly sessions and so colorismhealing.com folks oh um I have some books that, are, that just came out recently. I put them in my stories. I know some of y'all look at my stories. So I put them in my stories with links to them. And then I saved them on my highlights on my page. So one of them actually came out in 2018. I know, I know. <laughs> so many people who follow me are like, I didn't know you had a children's workbook. It's because I haven't really talked about it much, but I'm talking about it today. So in 2018, I created a children's book. I updated the cover though for 2022. The only thing that's changed is the cover. So if you already brought the workbook, it's the same content on the inside. But also what's new this year is the Colorism Healing Journal prompts. So over the past 10 years, I've been like writing prompts and questions. I've compiled them all into a journal. And then the third thing that's out is, um, it's actually like a goal setting planner the mindful mission, and that's not actually the one I was gonna talk about. I'm actually talking about the self-love journal, right? So there's one with prompts about self-love in general, right? So the Colorism Healing is all about colorism specifically. And then the self-love journal that should be out soon is about um, self-love more broadly. So not just thinking about skin tone and hair texture. And then I'm really excited about this one. I have a children's coloring book with affirmations in it. I don't know why I'm really excited about that one, but I like the idea of like having coloring pages with affirmations on them created for children. And so you can check those out in my Instagram stories. And if it's a few days after, it'll be saved in my highlights on my page. So that's all I have for you this week, folks. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that we can continue to get this message out to folks who need it thank you thank you all i saw a lot of new people interacting in the comments today so again that's one of the benefits of switching up the time every now and then is you might find uh new folks to participate in the conversation um i monica is it i monica or l monica thank you for tuning in welcome folks um you are awesome All right. I'm so glad I clicked to join. Thank you for a good conversation. And let's see. Hippo Power Space. Welcome. All right. Y'all see y'all next week. And again, I'm trying to keep these to 30 minutes. So forgive me for being 10, 12 minutes over at this point. Oh no. See, why y'all was going to let me forget? One more thing. Hold on. Hold on. One more thing. Because I said I was going to get back to affirmations at the end. I said I was going to give back to ending these with positive affirmations and reflections. So reflection, how have you seen colorism as an explicit prejudice? And that honest self-reflection, have you ever had an explicit prejudice? Don't judge yourself, right? Because again, given, that the, given the society we grew up in, it's not unheard of for people to realize like, whoa, I really thought these explicit prejudices And if you have, what changed your mind? Like what happened? What did you see? What did you read? What conversation did you have to help you recognize that prejudice in yourself and help you unlearn it, right? Actively unlearn that prejudice. And so then the affirmation, because I'm an affirmation geek that I have for you, is that my value is inherent. I don't have to hustle or perpetrate to prove my worth, okay? So I want you to repeat that to yourself this week and um, sit with it. Your value is inherent. You don't have to hustle to prove that you're worthy. You don't have to perpetrate to prove that you're worthy. You're just inherently worthy, okay? Love y'all. See y'all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And I hope you can join us for the next one.